This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Known and Ever YouTube show and podcast. For those of you who are listening to this on podcast, this is our build-up to the East Lanks Derby. For those of you who are watching this on our YouTube channel, this is part two of your build-up. If you can go back and you can check our chat with um, our opposition view at another video um, on LinkedIn, our channel, you will be able to get part one of that. I am your host, Natalie Bromley, and I am joined this week with... By even Dave Statman Roberts, and we are looking ahead to the second of the East Lanks derbies for this season. Dave, hi, it's here. We're previewing another derby. It feels like two minutes ago since we did the last one, but it's here. We, we've got to play them like down the road again. Uh, yeah, they come around quick, and uh, we're looking forward to it. I think we've uh, we've done very well in recent times, and uh, long may that continue. Looking forward to it isn't exactly how I would do this. I'm a little bit, but uh, we'll get on to that later on. Let us start this preview show, Dave, with a look back on a quiz question. Um, Let's just do some housekeeping, though, before we do. Why are we only doing this part two of this preview show? Well, we have done QPR reaction separately. We had five talking points from QPR. So our YouTube listeners can go to our YouTube channel and check that out. That was myself and George with a special guest, Mike Landers, who gave us his thoughts about game management, particularly in light of QPR's performance. So you can check that out on our YouTube channel. And as I mentioned before, this is part two for our YouTube listeners of a preview show and a full preview show for our podcast. There you go. I need to tell everybody where they can find things, Dave. We also have a quiz question, which we need to give an answer to. Before our last um, game, for the QPR game, you asked our listeners the following question. Can you tell us in which year Clive Holt became a director of Burnley Football Club? Now, the reason we asked you this question, listeners, was because it was to mark the release of a new book, Out of the Wilderness, which has been written by former Burnley FC director Clive Holt alongside the legend that is Dave Thomas. Dave, what was the answer and did we get any correct replies, please? Uh, well, the answer, 
The answer was um, he well, came straight in at a difficult time, you might say. He was uh, here for the start of the 1986-87 season. I think it was in the July in the off-season. So the correct answer we're looking for was 1986. Ooh, who were our special quiz quizzes? Our quiz star this week, I think it's the only one I saw in terms of correct answers, was Andrew Blythe. Got it right. Regular listener from uh, up in Scotland. Comes down for uh, games regularly. And he got it uh, correct. Excellent stuff. Well, let's get straight into the business end of this show then. We are previewing... It is Blackburn Rovers away, our Lancashire rivals. It's East Lanks Derby. It's Tuesday the 25th of April. It's an 8pm kickoff. Dave, is there something relevant with that kickoff time and date? Oh, well, yeah, I thought of bonus stat today. I'd done the script ooh. and then I thought, oh, there's something else. Ooh, ooh. I've, I've checked back through my records and it's actually the 250th time that a Burnley match has been chosen to be broadcast live uh, in the UK. Officially. Wow! So obviously, you, you get games on streams now and whatever else that aren't uh, official. But in terms of official matches being chosen, that's televised and also uh, streamed legally. So there's been ones on like FA Play. We've had matches in the past. We've had ones on uh, this season anyway on uh, I Follow on Clarets Plus as well. They count towards the totals. We've had 249, and this is number 250. That is an excellent stat. Well, why don't you follow on from that excellent stat, please, by kicking us off with this week's championship head-to-head. Certainly. Uh, Over the years, top-flight matches have been more common than second-tier meetings with our neighbours from down the M65. And this is just the 12th season out of a total of 46 seasons we spent together, which have been at this level. Prior to the 1930s, all league meetings have been in the top flight, but during three seasons in the late 1930s, we did meet in Division 2. However, we failed to find a victory from the three away trips in that decade. We lost 3-1 in February 1937 before managing a 3-3 draw in December 1937, with Rovers coming back to level the scores three times. And then in February 1939, a single goal from Rovers winger Billy Rogers was enough to win the match for the home side. Uh, We had to wait almost 40 years before our paths crossed again at this level. But this time, Burnley had very much the better of the three away games in Division 2 during the second half of the 1970s. In December 1976, John Byram put the home side into a two-goal lead. But goals from Peter Noble and then Ian Brennan made it 2-2 and earned a point when it looked rather unlikely. And then in March 1978, a superb shot from all of 25 yards from Terry Cochran gave Burnley the lead in the first half, and it stayed that way with Rovers winger Noel Brotherston also being sent off for a second caution after a foul on Ian Brennan. Burnley were the victors again in April 1979, uh, despite going behind to a first-half goal from Simon Garner. Goals from Tony Morley and Ian Brennan helped the Clarets to a 2-1 away win. Uh, Then in April 1983, Simon Garner was on the score sheet again with not one but two second-half penalties to put the home side into a two-goal lead. Uh, The match was held up for over 15 minutes in the second half uh, due to trouble on the terraces, and uh, when the match did resume, Derek Scott pulled one back, but it wasn't enough, and Rovers won the game 2-1. There was then a long wait of almost 18 years before we met again. Uh, 
and after already having lost 2-0 at Turf Moor, that was earlier in the season, uh, we travelled to Ewood Park on April 1st, 2001. Uh, the match was a massive anti-climax for the travelling Claret supporters as we suffered an excruciating 5-0 defeat. Less said about that, the better. Uh, there was one season together in the Premier League in 2009-10, but by the time we travelled to Ewood Park again at this level, uh, that was in March 2013, Sean Dyche was the Burnley manager. Uh, that match finished 1-1, although by rights it should have been a Burnley away win, as the opposition goalscorer David Dunn netted the late equaliser despite clearly being offside, something that wasn't spot was spotted by almost everyone else apart from the assistant running the line. Uh, that just leaves two more away matches at Ewood Park at this level, we, and we usually choose one memory match to look at in more detail. But this time we're going to treat you to a reminder of both of these matches when we come back to that feature later in the show. But for now, you can have the results summary. Burnley have won four, drawn three and lost four after 11 previous second-tier away matches. And in terms of goals, Burnley have scored 14 and conceded 19. Yeah, that's good. So it's always quite painful reviewing the history of the East Lancaster Derby. It's quite, it's quite fortunate that we've got some better times in recent years because our history has not been that great to reflect on. Um, moving on then, Dave, we have what is becoming our beloved feature on our preview show, and that is, of course, our opposition celebrity fans. We rate the celebrity fans of our this week's opposition. We give them a score out of 10 and we pick a short list of six of their best celebrities. Dave, what have you got for us this week? Well, we've got an important update for this week's Famous Fans feature, unfortunately. Late, late uh, news. Um, as you know, we usually include six celebrity fans for our opposition teams. But unfortunately, on this occasion, ahead of our visit to Ewood Park, uh, I regret to inform you we're only able to allocate enough space for two. Is this no. a sly little dig, Dave? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. We, we weren't going to stoop that low. Uh, so we We're do not that petty. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll see when we, we come to the scoring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have uh, a full set of six uh, famous fans who we're going to uh, go through who were associated with our East Lancashire neighbours. Let us, let us have it, Dave. Go ahead. Okay, we have got uh, uh, Lee Mack, a comedian and actor. No, he's not. Is from Blackburn, yeah. Uh, notably, not going out as uh, one of the captains on Would I Lie to You? I liked him as well. Uh, Matt Smith. Matt Smith, the actor, most notably the 11th Doctor in Doctor Who. No. Blackburn Rovers. I used to uh, like more, these people. More, a more obvious one, uh, Carl Fogarty, famous uh, Superbike world champion on four occasions. Uh, Wayne Hemingway, fashion designer and founder of Red yep, Orchid. Uh, and then to balance things out a bit, we had um, a conservative politician who was uh, one of our celebrity fans of the week uh, last week when we did it. And uh, we've got two more from two different parties this week. Uh, we have got uh, Tim Farron, who's liberal, uh, liberal Democrat MP, former leader, and he's the Westmoreland and Lonsdale MP since 2005. And also Jack Straw, Labour or former Labour MP. He was Labour MP for Blackburn from 1979 to 2015 and a former Home Secretary. That's an annoyingly good list. I want to give them, I want to be petty and give them one, but I, I that's a really annoyingly good list. What did our team say? What kind of scores did we get from our analysts? 
we had the full gamut right through from one to seven, I think. Yeah, well, that doesn't help me moderate it, does it? What would you give them, Dave? I, I well, be, being fair about it, I would say probably about six and a half. That would be my my score. Okay, I'm not fair. And I am that petty. I'm going to give them one. So there you go. Moderated down to one. I and you can come at me all you want. That is a just yeah, not giving you any points. Blackburn Rovers, your celebrity fans are rubbish, and we give you one out of ten. Moving on, Dave. Memory match, please. You've already teased us as you tend to do in this feature. What have you picked for our memory match this week? Uh, well, as we say, it's uh, not memory match this week, but memory matches, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah. There's two featured memory matches this time ahead of Tuesday's East Lancashire Derby. Uh, so we're going to take a look back to Burnley's two previous seasons in the Championship, both of which ended with promotion, and both of which saw the Clarets earn memorable away wins at Ewood Park. Yes. In, 2013, in 2013-14, the match took place on the 9th of March 2014 and didn't go completely to plan at first. No. Uh, things did not look promising when the home side took the lead through Jordan Rhodes in the 24th minute. And although it stayed that way until the break, the same player could have doubled the lead early in the second half, but his shot came back off the post. As the game went on, though, Burnley well. got more into it. And after 73 minutes, Ross Wallace's floated free kick into the box was bravely headed past Paul Robinson by the skipper, Jason Shackle, to level the scores. But the best was still to come, as further pressure in the attacking third eventually resulted in a chance for Danny Ings, who finished with a low shot to put the Clarets 2-1 up after 79 minutes. Uh, we saw out the final 10 minutes and stoppage time to ensure a memorable win, which was worth the wait and sent a sold-out allocation of 4,540 travelling fans home happy on the bus convoy. Uh, the next time we're in the Championship, that was in 2015-16, the match at Ewood Park was earlier on in the season. That was on the 24th of October 2015. It was a cagey game and there wasn't too much in it. But just after the hour mark, a free kick was played into the box by David Jones. And after Ben Mee had fluffed his shot, he was still able to play it back to who else? Scott Arfield, whose well-placed shot found the net past Jason Steele. This was at the far side of the ground, away from the Burnley supporters. So he ran the full length of the pitch to celebrate in front of 4,723 visiting Clarets fans in the Darwin end. We saw out the last half hour for a well-earned 1-0 victory. Since then, we've also met in an away tie in the League Cup in September 2017, a match we won comfortably 2-0 with first-half goals from Jack Cork and Robbie Brady, uh, despite the distraction of some unsavoury pitch invasions from individuals purporting to be home mm. fans. Along with two uh, recent championship wins that we've mentioned, this result completes, completes a hat-trick of victories in our three most recent visits to Ewood Park. Love it. They are excellent memory matches. Thank you, Dave. Um, now, um, we are going to slot in here for our podcast listeners, um, our opposition for you this week. We decided that we could be grown up about this. It's 2023. Um, it's a new wave of, of East Lanks Derby fans. And you can actually sit down with opposition view and talk to them about the Derby without everybody falling out with each other. So we met up with our good friend Dan Ainsworth, who's at Rovers Chat, and he gave us his views ahead of the game. Dan! And East Lancashire first. We have 
broken ranks and we have decided that it's 2023 there is a new era of the east lanks derby and two content creators can sit down and have a chat about the east lanks derby ahead of a game i think i think this is this is new ground that i'm enjoying dan yeah, it is. It'll be interesting to discuss it, especially with all the uh, the added pressure of both of us maybe not being in the position we thought we would be coming exactly. into this. Well, let's let's start right there because I think you and I were talking just before we went on air today that this is perhaps ended up being a pressure situation that neither of us wanted. We both we thought that when this fixture was rearranged owing to both of our late runs in the FA Cup, that you'd have been in the comfortably in the playoffs by now. We'd have lifted the title by now and it would just be nothing but East Lancashire pride to play for. Talk us through how you are currently feeling, Dan. <laughs> Nervous doesn't describe it. You know, you mentioned that. I thought the only thing we'd be stopping you or at least trying to stop you getting with a point record, to be honest, I thought you were still going to be on for it. Mm. I thought, the only thing we might get out of this game, obviously the win will be massively important for everyone in terms of East Lancashire pride, but I thought we'd be heading to this thinking, can we just stop them breaking the record? Yeah. But obviously two late goals in a week, the Coventry one that I thought ran ball at the time, it, it actually wasn't by the look of it. And then obviously yesterday, going through one goal in the 95th minute, Spain in a chance and then Preston put it up the other end and we scoring on goal. And yeah, to say it's a... It's added to the nerves. It would be an understatement, really. We could be four points clear now heading into this game. And like you say, it'd only be Lancashire pride that matters. But nerves have really kicked in. We know that it's almost a free game. If it were anyone else, it'd be a free game to try and get three points. But yeah. with it being Burnley, it's that added pressure, isn't it? If we're looking at this and we're playing Sheffield United, we're like, well, we obviously want to win to get the points on the board. But does it really matter that much if we lose? No, that's fair. But surely the Claret's performances since the Easter weekend when promotion against Borough was confirmed and our absolutely destroying Chef United at Turf that Easter Monday, there's been a significant drop-off in intensity from where we're concerned. We knew we had, what, seven or eight games left to lift the title. Um, we knew that we already had a really comfortable points target ahead of Chef United. Vincent Company has gone into squad rotation mode. He's been playing second string players. Um, some players have been coming back from injury and they've been given an opportunity. We've had three draws against and, and a loss, only the third loss of the season. And we've lost our home record yesterday against QPR also fighting for their lives. That must give you some element of hope that you have something to play for and we don't. Yeah, it does a bit, like you say, with these results. I mean, that loss yesterday, I thought no matter what you do, you'd beat QPR yesterday. And obviously anyway. that happened. I think we sit there now and it gives us a bit of hope going into it, but we know, again, it's that added pressure of being this derby game. Rovers players know they have a lot to make up for with the last result back in November. They know that obviously the fans want it. The fans have want this, even if we were bottom of the league, already relegated, the fans want it. And yeah. I know the Burnley players will be up for it. I know the fans won't let Burnley come into this and not at least step it up a few gears, given given what I've seen recently. It's, there's a bit of hope there, but we know what Burnley have and we, we obviously were still scarred a bit from last time, so we know there's a, there's always talent there. It'll be interesting to see how company approaches it. I imagine you'll go full strength and yeah, intensity will be there from kick-off. Your fans will obviously want it being in the ground. and It'll be an interesting one to see how we go because... 
the last thing John Dahl Thomason wants is two Burnley losses on his record. You know, Mowbray had one, and then before that, I think it was Boyer the last time we played you. Mm. And all the whenever you think of a manager, the record against Burnley is always mentioned. So Thomason will definitely want one, both for the playoff push and obviously personal pride. Yeah, I think one massive boost for you guys is the loss of Nathan Teller. Our attacking threat has significantly decreased since he went out injured, and I don't think we'll see him again before the end of the season, to be honest. Um, We haven't looked as ruthless up front as we have since we lost Teller. Um, I think we have options. Jay's now back as well, and he'll be desperate to play, obviously, in in the derby on Tuesday. I think... We're creating a significant number of chances. I'm not even exaggerating. I don't know how we didn't go in at halftime yesterday, 17-0 up. Like there were two open nets that just bounced off and inexplicably ended up going out for, I think, for a throw-in. It was ridiculous. Uh, Both Ashley Barnes and Taylor Harwood-Bellis missed absolute sitters. Um, But other than... So I I guess with that, how with Teller being injured, knowing that we will create chances, how do you think you will approach the game in terms of nullifying our threat? I think Rovers have gone into these last few games and we've changed tact halfway through. We've gone for a back five and tried to shut teams out. And yeah. it hasn't worked. It's worked every for the first six or seven months of the season, it worked perfectly. I can't see him trying it again. I think he'll just go for a three man midfield, try and outplay you in the midfield. It kind of, kind of seems to be his way of going. He'll definitely want to play uh, the two Wharton brothers who didn't play last time, two black yes. lads that were really picked up on in the previous game that they weren't involved in. I just think he'll go to try and win the midfield battle. I think that's where our best game comes as well. If we can get hold in the midfield, let Adam Wharton on the ball and do what he does best, it's probably our strongest way. We'll, I don't think we'll try and defend to beat you. I think we'll just try and attack and score goals rather than try and nick it a 1-0 because we know, we know we're not going to do that. We know if we win, it's going to be a 2-1. It's going to be a 3-2. So... For me, it's that midfield battle. I think he'll stop the midfield and just hope that we actually hit you on a counter-attack or something and get a goal or two. But uh, it'll be interesting because we've not played many... You know, Burnley have been the side this year that are a mile ahead of everyone. Sheffield United, we always felt like we could beat. Mm. Uh, we beat them at Ewood comfortably as well. It were only 1-0, but I think we were much much more comfortable than the scoreline suggests. So it'll be interesting because... The only game we've seen him against a really good side was the first game. And obviously that went well for 55 minutes in terms of the game plan. And then obviously it fell apart. It'll be an interesting one. I can't work out what he's going to do, but with that many injuries as well at the moment, that it could be anything mm-hmm. and it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, so it's an interesting point is that, like I say, we're looking like we've got, we're missing Ekdal, he's been a blow. I think I prefer him at centre-half alongside Jordan Bayer rather than Taylor Harwood-Bellis. He just gives a little bit of experience and a little bit of control at that back. Taylor Harwood-Bellis is is great, but does have some vulnerabilities in terms of conceding possession and being drawn slightly out out of position at times. But everybody else apart from Nathan Teller is back, so we're pretty much back to a full strength side. Um, I guess the only other thing that I wanted to, to pick up on with you, Dan, generally is how how you're feeling about where you are as a club now going forward. It's been documented a lot over recent times. Your relationship with the owners, Venkis, has been troubled at times. It, it seems to have all calmed down a little bit now. You don't necessarily see the conflict that we've had in previous years. You've got a settled side, you've got a young side, and you've got a manager who's impressing at this level. 
I, I spoke to a, a Rovers fan not so long ago who suggested that this season has perhaps come a season earlier than you were expecting and that you are now on the up and you are pushing mm-hmm. for promotion. Uh, but this year would be a bonus. And actually, if it doesn't happen, you were ahead of yourself anyway. How accurate is that? And where do you sit now in terms of where your future lies? That's spot on. That's absolutely, is it the nail on the head there? I think you look at... She. She's hit the nail on the head. So <laughs> uh, we look at it and, you know, we sit there, we come in with a term project and I know that's often used all the time in football. It's maybe sometimes used when things aren't going right as almost, you know, just watch and learn and it's going to be frustrating. But I completely agree with the fan who said that. I think Rovers are at that stage. We're probably expecting mid-table this year, you know, pick up some good results, but lose some games you wouldn't expect us to. And we sit there in six and we kind of feel disappointed almost that we've not gone and secured the playoffs already, really. And it's a weird feeling because we shouldn't. We shouldn't feel that way, really. We should be glad where we are. We should be happy. If we did this again next year, I still think it'd be in a good position to then go and do something. But it's a weird one because Rovers really, you know, you look at Christmas time. Last time we played, it were a battle for the top, weren't it? Heading into the World Cup and... We sat there thinking, if we carry on doing this all season, why can't we? Why can't we finish second? Why can't we keep Burnley at the title at one point? It mm. looked like we could almost keep the first ten games. But I mean, it's really weird. It's tough because we'll de- we'll be disappointed if we don't make the playoffs. But then, upon reflection, I think once we've had time to look at it and sit down, we'll think this club's probably in the best position it's been in since the Premier League days. Really. It's, it's a hard one to judge because when you've had success and you've done well, you know, this season, you expect it, don't you? Expect more. Look at Huddersfield last year, did really well and kind of mm. their fans went into it expecting the same and now they're on the verge of League One. It's really weird. It's hard to explain. I think expectations as a Blackburn fan, uh, we discussed it back in November at the Sky, you know, when we did the thing for Sky, that when you're a Blackburn fan and your club's won the Premier League before, you sometimes expect more than you really should. You you know, Burnley and Rovers are 30 years ago, much different sides, weren't they? And yeah. now we're kind of at the stage where you're likely to go on and be an established Premier League club under company in my eyes. And we've got to kind of sit back and play the long game and try and build to make it to make it up there. It's weird. It's I think it's hard to manage expectations of a club that achieved it all 30 years ago. Although I think the majority of our fans understand that maybe Rovers aren't what we think they are and I just find it strange. It's hard to really uh, to put Rovers to sum us up. It's tough. I've tried yeah, all season and I get it. you still can't work us out. I think we've got that young side you mentioned and I think you can see that in the reverse game that it were a young side that were learning and a young side that needed time. It's it's going to be a tough one where we go next year because ultimately if, we, if we're not in this playoff push all season like we have been this year, fans will see it as a, a step down from the previous year and then does that put the manager under pressure? It's really weird. Oh, it's, it's easy. So I think hard. it's much easier so from your hard. position as outside. What do you make of Rovers? Do you think they're in that position to then go on and do it? Have they had a good season? Because yeah, it's definitely. When you've done it all, watched them every week all season. But you know, from an outside perspective, yeah, definitely. It, it's one of those where the the championship is a brilliantly competitive and amazing uh, division. 
when you are newly relegated and you have parachute payments and you have you can attract the, the Vincent companies of the world of managers you can afford to be in the transfer market and you're winning every single week we aren't naive enough to realize that you know you ask some of the longer term championship sides who've been in there for 10 years now you know that you've got Borough down there you've got Rovers you've got you know those sides who are desperately trying to get up or have gone up and down again um West Brom you know they're having a miserable time in the championship because once you've been down for a little bit too long it's impossible to get out (laughs) I think yeah this season for me I has been the most positive and I guess um proactive Rovers um, both club side and on the playing staff that I've seen in a long time. And I've never worried about you before. And actually, let me let me caveat that. I, I never worried about you. I have no problem with, with Burnley and Blackburn being in the same division. We always want to be better than you. We'd always want to beat yeah. you and vice versa. But why would you not want the East Lancaster Derby every single week? And why would you not want Lancashire clubs? If, you know, if we got our way, we'd want Preston, Black, you know, all of the senior Lancashire sides should be in the Premier League, of course. It's great for the, for the, for the county. Um, but I thought you were miles off it. And this season is the first season where I've thought, actually, you're on the up. Um, I guess my constant challenge to that has always been your honours. And I never, and I'm now in a position, I, I guess there was a smugness from us before because we've been in local ownership for our entire history. And then suddenly we've sold to ALK, the Americans have come in and you're suddenly in that position where you go, oh, you know, does it make a difference when you've got an ownership that are not born and raised in East Lancashire? We're incredibly lucky that our owners have invested in it and they've bought into our community and they get it. And I think that's the missing piece of the puzzle for you. Um, I think I think they have to sell. Um, who they sell to, I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't it. I don't think there's anything to be to fear being outside of local ownership. It can work if you get the right club in there but I think you need fresh investment at the top now you never hear from bankers then they're silent owners they don't seem to have a presence they don't seem to want to promote you the cash isn't being injected into the club um so I think that's that's now yeah bearing in mind that you know that is that is from a a real out not just an outsider's perspective it's from a rival outsider's perspective as well so I don't live and breathe the club like you do and I don't go out of my way to see what's going on in the community or what's being pushed you know from their own comms um so you might you know you might disagree but that to me feels like you're not going to take the next step to be relevant again like and and this is the point i'm picking up with you saying that yeah the the rovers that won the premier league was 30 years ago the premier league wasn't the premier league that it is now that was pre the money coming in and pre the the big six that's emerged, the Super League teams. Um, But that to me, I think that's where you need to go next. How do you make a community founder member of the Football League with all of this history, this fan base and this illustrious um, part of the football pyramid, how do you then become relevant in football in 2023? And I think that's where you're Yeah, it's an interesting one because you mentioned Alan Pearce and obviously... You know, they took over. And the thing that I think has impressed me with Burnley this year is we saw all the stuff in the summer about having to sell this quick fire sale, all this debt that had to be paid back and all that. Some which were true, some which wasn't. And I'm sure you heard more of it than we saw. I'm sure you got it from every angle. But it was interesting. I think the way he's done it's really impressive. I like the fact that, you know, you went and got company who wasn't the easy option. I know he obviously 
he's been a successful mm. player, but it, an inexperienced manager really he's not had much experience. And you take no. him in, and I was really impressed by the way they've done it. And you mentioned the outside perspective. The the Venkis one's a tough one. It's uh, I'm sure fans have seen everything from both sides of about the ownership. And like you said, they're not really in touch anymore. I think that's a good thing in terms of at least in the public oh, eye. I, I think they distracted from the actual football that should have been going on and getting behind the team. I think when they were here, it was, right, let's focus on the Venkis. It wasn't, at least let's spend the 90 minutes in the ground backing the team and backing yeah. you know, the players who were on the pitch. Because ultimately, they're the ones that get the stick, aren't they? If things are going wrong at the club, it's the manager that gets it. Don't get me started on Steve King, but say even with Gary oh. Boyer here and all the Venki protests, mm. I don't think Gary Boyer was a man that should have been getting the stick. He was just... Unfortunately, the front man of a club yeah. with owners that weren't really seen. So it's easier to vent your frustration at when you're in the ground, isn't it, than actually going down to the ground and venting it at people who, again, don't really have anything to do with the ownership because general staff aren't the people you should be taking your issues out on. No, you? no, they're it's not. Tough. It's tough. It's weird one. It's, I don't see them going anytime soon. We probably need to go back to the Premier League for that then they could at least get some money back because they have oh, put yeah, money that's true, it. that's true. Yeah. It's been part, it's been due to the downfall, really. The reason the money's had to be put in is because we haven't been kept in the Premier. If we were in the Premier League for three more years, we'd have had all that TV money that come in almost just after we left and you went up. So, yeah, it's weird. It, you know, I'm not an issue with them like I used to have, but ultimately, I think we all know where where the club is going you're right I think localness is good We've, we're good in the community as a club but do you have that passion for the club that you know maybe a local investor would is there anyone locally be willing to take it on because it's a tough task isn't it being the, yeah. the head of a club the moment something goes wrong yeah I, don't, I, would, I wouldn't do it, it. Definitely wouldn't no, I definitely wouldn't. You get asked that question all the time, don't you? If you had the money would you take over? Nope. Not a <laughs> Absolutely not. And not actually, a chance whatsoever. I don't necessarily think we we talked about this a lot when Pace and ALK took over. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing taking a club out of local ownership to no. run a business successfully. You have to be able to make cold, hard commercial decisions. And local owners, owners who've been fans their entire life, do they always make decisions with their head or do they make decisions no. with their heart? And I think I think you need to have that. Um, I'm going to end this piece then, Dan, with a little bit of lightheartedness. Um, you recently unexpectedly became a whipping boy of the Burnley fans as a result a of bit. a slightly, I would say, misjudged tweet from our Icelandic superstar. Of course, you were the, um, you you and I have worked together. Uh, we've done work with um, the League of 72 podcast. And you made a comment about Burnley in your capacity as a Blackburn fan, which was completely legitimate and sound, taken slightly out of context. And in the excitement of promotion, Johan Berggudmundsen tweeted that piece with some a uh, little bit of banter headed your way. So I ask you this question. How pleased would it make you if Johan Berggudmundsen was to score a 94th minute own goal on Tuesday to hand you the three points? Would that be some nice karma, Dan? Oh, that would be the best moment of my life if you went and done it. That's, that was going to be my prediction today. 1-0 Rovers, Johan Berggudmundsen. No, that... Like you mentioned, we've worked together before. We had a good chat about Rovers Burnley on the uh, the November one, just after we'd been beat, mm. actually. And as hard as it was, you know, we're, we're 
I praise Burnley quite a lot in it, and almost to the point where I was making myself sick with it. But uh, <laughs> like, cut it, cut one. it. <laughs> but when they put the clip on, I was sat there thinking, "This is not going to go well." And <laughs> it went everywhere. Do you know what? End of the day, it happens. It's a, it's an opinions game, isn't it? And like you say, if he went and scored that own goal on a Tuesday night, oh, I'll be, I'll be slightly good. smug just to do what I imagine. It, <laughs> it'd be an interesting one. No, I'll be honest. If I know if we'd have gone up and it'd have been the other way around, I know someone would have someone would have made a slight dig about it from our side. It's all fun and games at the end of the day. It's uh, it is. I will be very, very glad and very smug though if we do. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope I hope as a as a Burnley fan, um, I hope it doesn't happen. But uh, yeah, out of out of respect for you, I uh, I would I'll definitely think of you if that happens for sure. Uh, Dan, thank you very very much. Want to give us a quick score prediction before we leave? Oh, I've got to go for one 0 Rovers, Johan Berg Gumpenson on goal, Anna. <laughs> yeah, right, if, I'm going for, if I'm going for something serious, I'll, I'll go for a draw. Maybe I've got my Rovers head on. I'll go for a 2-2 draw. I think uh, it could be anything. It won't shock me. We were saying off air, the most Rovers thing to do now is go and beat Burnley and then still not get the playoffs. Yeah. So no, I'll definitely. go for 2-2. Two, two. Two, two. I am going to predict a Burnley win just purely because, well, my heart's t- my head's telling me it should be a draw because we've been drawing everything away recently. Um, but I will always back my boys. I, c- I can't not do. So I'm going to go for a really narrow, I don't think it'd be anywhere near what it was like at Turf Moor. I'm going to say a 1-0 one 1-0 one victory to, to Burnley. So there you go, listeners. That has been the preview of East Lancaster Bay with ourselves and Rovers Chat. Um, do check out Dan and his team at Rovers Chat if you want to get some East Lanks banter. Really good, great, really good guys. Put some great content out there. And um, long may our newly found rivalry and relationship across East Lancashire continue. Until next time. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, moving on, Dave. Referee, who is that for this week, please? Who's going to be taming this Lancashire hot pot? Uh, we've got Tim Robinson of Bognor Regis in West Sussex. He's been handed the task of keeping order in the East Lancashire Derby at Ewell Park on Tuesday. Um, he's been somewhat of a lucky omen for us in the past, and we've won all five of the previous Burnley matches he's taken charge of, as well as home wins over Rotherham and Newcastle in 2016 and 2019, respectively. He's refereed three of our away matches this season. We won the first two of those by the same scoreline. Uh, They were at Sunderland in the league and also Bournemouth in the FA Cup. Um, And he was also in charge with a 3-1 win at Hull City last month. There have been no red cards in any of his previous Burnley games. But overall this season, he sent off seven players and awarded six penalties. That's in 38 matches to date in all competitions. 
good stuff. Now, going into the game then tomorrow night, Dave, I'm feeling a little bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. I feel like... Um, I I feel like I'm at the stage where it wouldn't surprise me if we absolutely batter them. Wouldn't surprise me if they beat us. Wouldn't surprise me if we end up with a nil-nil draw. Um, there's definitely been, well, for those of you who have seen um, the QPR reaction, the chat that myself and George had, we're trying to figure out whether or not it's a drop of intensity or whether or not it's a, maybe a lack of cohesion in the squad with the, the squad being rotated as much as it has. But we're certainly not performing at the peak that we were at the point that we won the title away at Borough. Are you worried about the Derby, Dave? Do you think we're going to step it up? Do you think we can step it up? Do you think this is a prime chance for Blackburn to beat us? Bearing in mind that they're becoming very vulnerable as well, particularly to late goals. How are you feeling ahead of this game? I think they've got a lot more to lose than than we have. They're going to be a lot yeah. more nervous about it. I think there will be uh, the the crowd will be a factor. I think if we had. Uh, five, 6,000 Burnley fans there, that would have a bearing on it. The fact there's only 2,000 there, I'm sure that everyone that's there will make noise enough for, for two or three who, who can't be there. Um, but it still will make a, a difference, I think, to having only 2,000. They've done that to... They've done well, it deliberately, of course a, they have. Yeah, of course they've they taken have. a financial hit, but it, it may it may work out uh, in their favour. Um, but I think on the balance, I think we, we are good enough to uh, to do the double over them. Um, it won't be easy. I think it'll be a, a cagey game. I don't think it'll be uh, too open. And I think that hopefully in the end we'll have enough for them and we'll be able to uh, complete that double and also get, uh, well, a, a fourth consecutive uh, away win, which would be uh, incredible. Yeah, that would be good. Um, and also, of course, one win and, and we lift the title. And, and obviously the the romantic side of us, all of us want desperately to have um the to lift the, the, the cup, um, lift the title, sorry, away at Ewood. That would be some sickener, uh, for them, and it would be very sweet for us. Um, will we? The, the, the trophy, what the trophy, no, as in, we'll we'll get the title, and metaphorically speaking, yes, Dave, you, you're correct. Um, but we will be, we'll be crowd, yeah, we'll win the league tomorrow night when we're there. That's probably a better way of putting it. You're right. Um, bearing that in mind, surely, surely he goes with his strongest team. I know he's been tinkering, but he won't risk this, will he? I don't think there'll be too many changes. I think he'll look, he'll look at the side that played on um, on Saturday, the first half, that wasn't too much wrong other than not putting the ball in the back of the net, the number of chances we created. But there wasn't the intensity in the second half, um, so they need to be wary of that. Maybe, maybe he makes one or two changes to try and meld that together and try and get a, a, a stronger who, who start. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just a case of uh, of just one or two to freshen it up a little bit, and then give are we the talking defence up front? I, I guess the obvious one is: does he start Jay? Uh, possibly. Does he start Barnes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm really torn with that. I feel like Jay missed the first one. I feel like Jay absolutely has to to give, be given a chance at some point. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one. Do we bring Foster back? He was missing completely. Um, at the weekend, you know, how far is Ekdal from being back again? Does he get, with being away from home, do we get Cullen, Cork and Brownell in midfield? There's some real selection headaches there. Um, I just, I don't care which formation it does. If we've got everybody available apart from Nathan Teller, which let's be honest, is a huge loss. Um, just put your strongest side out for, for the love of God, please. <laughs> just don't, don't mess it up. Don't tarnish the season by playing a weak inside and handing them 
um, an easy victory. That wouldn't be too comfortable. Um, bearing that in mind, then, Dave, what prediction are you going to give us score-wise? I was going to say, just, just before that, it was interesting oh. looking at the uh, the pre-match press conference today. Uh, Vincent Company was asked something along the lines of, um, is it going to be difficult, the fact that they're looking for points to get back into the playoff places? And his answer was something along the lines of, uh, no, no one wants points as much as as I do. Basically, was was the gist of his um, his answer. So I, I don't think that his hunger for uh, perfection and and is diminished. And I think that in terms of this game and also the remaining two games, we're not going to be on on the beach. We, we're going to be pushing for. Well, we can still get a hundred points, can't we? Still go over the hundred points mark if we get three wins in the last three games. Yeah, so hundred and one's uh, our maximum now. We can get, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but I mean, we. I think there there is an argument as well, and this was said also that um, there was a case of playing the occasion, trying to play to win the 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 title rather yeah. than yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit. So that's that's more of a mentality thing, isn't it? For for the players, they've got a bit to be focused experience, on. maybe a little little bit, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, you can't criticize the players too much because in terms of where they've come to through the season, that they might that might have been happening to other teams in January, February, and it certainly wasn't happening to yeah. to us around that time. So we're winning every game coming, um, but yeah, it's it just needs that little bit of a a snap to say right, this this is it now. This is the way we're going to approach it, and I'm sure that's the way they'll go out on Tuesday night. In terms of scores, I think it'll be a a Burnley win. I think it'll be a narrow win. I'd probably go two two one. Okay. Interesting. Like, I don't think we'll concede. Um, I think we'll. Um, when we've conceded silly goals this season, we've tended to really step it up afterwards and get very, very um, stingy um, in our goals that we've conceded. So I'm going to say it's going to be um, a nervy two nil victory. I think it's going to be one nil for most of the game, and I think we will catch them for a second as they're desperately trying to get an equaliser. So I think that's how that's going to go. Um, listeners, you know the score by now. You know the score. Tell us the score. You know the drill. Please let us know what your score predictions are ahead of the game. We do have a very quick FPL update to bring you this week. Adam has managed to get us some stats together uh, as we have finished game week. We are getting towards the end of the season and it's getting crunch time for our FPL managers. So I'm going to hand over to our resident FPL expert, Adam Dennett, who's going to give us all of the data on the Known and Never FPL League. Hi, Adam here with your Known and Never FPL Blank Game Week 32 update. Starting with your team of the week, lining up in a 3-5-2 formation and would have scored you 129 points. In goal, Sam Johnston with a clean sheet and three bonus points. In Palace's 0-0 draw at home to Everton. That's the second week in a row now he's been in the team of the week. Back three of two West Ham players, Aaron Cresswell and Vladimir Kufal, both with clean sheets and assists, and just one bonus point difference uh, in West Ham's big 4-0 victory away at Bournemouth. And completing the back three, Timothy Castagna, uh, with a goal and two bonus points in Leicester's crucial 2-1 victory at home to Wolves. Into the midfield, no surprising, couple, not surprising couple of Newcastle players in that crazy game in the northeast where they beat Spurs 6-1. Jacob Murphy with two goals and a bonus point and Joel Linton with a goal, assist and two bonus points, uh, getting 13 and 12 points respectively. Um, Saka from Arsenal got a goal, an assist and three bonus points in their disappointing 3-3 draw at home to Southampton, but they did come from 3-1 behind, behind in that game. 
Also in midfield, Morgan gives white from Nottingham Forest with a goal and assist and two bonus points, but it still wasn't enough for Forest to get anything away at Liverpool. Um, Liverpool run out 3-2 winners. And completing the midfield, Andreas, been a bargain all season, around 4.5 million, uh, with a goal and three bonus points in Fulham's 2-1 victory over struggling Leeds. Up front, not surprised, another Newcastle player, Isak, with two goals and three bonus points. And Diogo Jota, back on form. That's four goals in his last two weeks and a place in the team of the week for two weeks on the trot uh, with two goals and three bonus points as well in that Liverpool victory. On to the no-name ever top 10. Um, my mate from Tomerden, Dan Main, chasing me down in some mini-leagues as well. He's back in the top 10 with 2,129 points. Andy Bick in ninth with 2,132 points. Joint 7th are Connor Milligan and Joseph Dolby with 2,139 points. Rob Watson with 2,141 points in 6th. 5th place, Jack Toner, 2,144 points. Alice Flanagan down to 4th, 2,145 points. Joe Bailiff up to 3rd, 2,149 points. Into 2nd, Ursay, and also beat me in the Nona Never Head-to-Head um, Cup uh, competition. Uh, which is down to the last 64, which we'll come on to, on 2,174 points. But I have managed to cling on to top spot, close the gap to five points now. Uh, so I'm in first place with 2,179 points. Uh, looking ahead to game week 33, it's a midweek game week. Uh, Arsenal versus Man City is a headline fixture in a title showdown at the Etihad. Uh, if you still have your wild card, it's a good time to play it before the big double game week next week. Uh, teams to target between now and the end of the season are Brighton with three double game weeks, Manchester United and City both have two double game weeks, and Newcastle and Liverpool both have a double game week plus favourable fixtures. There's two April game weeks to go in our race to become manager of the month. Last year's overall winner, Luke Lambert, is having another strong end to the season and currently leads the way. Um, from other regular no-name ever FPLers, Ursa and Turfy Topper himself, Jack Toner. There's just three points that separate those big guns in the race for the no-name ever sticker. Uh, like I said before, the cup is down to the final 64. Uh, Charlotte is the only podcaster through, and interestingly, she is playing my mate from Tomden, Dan Main, in that round of 64. So I'll keep you updated on how that goes and how the latter stages of the cup competition goes as well. Uh, final thing to say is that the next deadline is Tuesday 6pm so make sure you get your teams in quickly today and wishing you all green arrows for game week 33 and before the Lancashire, big Lancashire derby a massive up the clarets um, Dave there's just time then for you please to treat our listeners to another little easter egg please can you dive deep into those pockets of yours and let our listeners have your miscellaneous stat of the week. Yeah this week's stat of the week is uh, Saturday's defeat to QPR was the first time that Burnley had lost a match at Turf Moor since Vincent Company was appointed as manager last summer. Prior to this weekend we'd won 18 and drawn six of the first 24 home games of the VK era in all competitions. No other Burnley manager has ever lasted until home game 25 before suffering their first loss at Turf Moor. 
It was also Burnley's first defeat at Turf Moor in the Championship since the start of December 2015, when Preston North End were the winners by a 2-0 scoreline. That loss kick-started a sequence of 34 matches unbeaten, 24 wins and 10 draws in the Championship across the 2015-16 season and the current campaign. Lovely, lovely stuff. That just leaves us then with a quiz question. What are you going to set for our lovely listeners, please, for this preview show? Right, we touched on this earlier in terms of uh, consecutive wins. We've said already the Clarets have won on all of our last three visits to Ewood Park in all competitions. That was in the Championship in 2014 and 2015, and the Caribbean Cup in 2017. But when was the last time that Burnley strung together a sequence of four away wins at Ewood Park? We want the year of the fourth win in the sequence. Okay, excellent. That is a really tough question. Um, And one for our um, slightly older listeners, I would suggest. Um, That must be going back a while. Um, Why don't you let our listeners know how they submit their answers, please, Dave? Uh, You can send us an email. That's uh, to previewshow at net. You can contact us on Twitter. Send us a direct message to at never or you can reply to the post on Facebook or on YouTube. Excellent. Well, that is all we have time for. That is it, listeners. We have previewed the East Lanks derby. It is crunch time. Will the Clarets end a perfect season by doing the double over our rivals down the road, keeping them out of the playoffs and lifting the championship title? Please, 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 the next time we see each other, can we be celebrating the title? That would be fantastic. We'll be back next week with reaction. Actually, we'll be back this week, actually. Gosh, I'm forgetting what day we are. We'll be back towards the end of this week with reaction from the Derby and a look ahead to this weekend's um, away fixture down at Bristol. So keep tuned to social media and we'll let you know when to expect those. Um, In the meantime, Godspeed and safe travels to everybody going to Ewood Park, those of you lucky enough to get through that ballot. Sing as if there were 20,000 of us and just, just... Bring it home. Bring that title home. I've been Atle Bromley. This has been the Known and Never podcast and football show. Until next time. The Known and Never podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby. Adam Dennett and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are as ever proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.